Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And good morning. Welcome to yet another edition of the Northland Sports Page. Brian Prudhomme, Dave Cook. Happy Saturday, everybody. 10.02. That's not bad for Dave Sinekin. We're here with you till noon. Talk about the successes or lack thereof of Minnesota sports. We can look at it one of two ways. Either everything is going bad or things are getting better. Or maybe there are multiple ways besides that to look at things because we're going to tackle that today. But we've had a successful show for almost six years. That's what counts. Good morning. Another Saturday where we're together. Which mic are you going to choose? You're, You're standing there. Or sitting there now, I guess, looking at two of them. Please tell me which microphone this you plan one. to use today. Yes. Okay, good. Because I we didn't test them beforehand. We didn't, but so I wasn't Dave sure. likes to line up like a doo-wop singer. He basically has as many microphones close to him as possible. And then I get to guess <laughs> yes. which ones he's going to use. You're successful so often. I went one for one today. I will take that. So there's a sign of success. Yes. So regardless of yes. Minnesota sports, we have success getting you on the mic today. But it's going to be fun to talk about what is the definition of success. We had a... Great conversation a week ago about what's the definition of tough in sports. Now we can kind of flip it and say, is it tough not only to find success in Minnesota sports, because all of our listeners are going, you betcha you know what it is, but is it tough to define what a successful season or a successful franchise truly is? It's so interesting in in our community because we have like two distinct levels of success, right? There's the don't be awful line, and then there's the, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do with this line. Right, so our successes tend to be the Twins in '91 and '97, and like well, we'll go '87, but 1997 right, was fun for me. I graduated to, high school. Yeah, I got yeah, that sorry, success sorry, out of the sorry, way. '87. Switch to the microphone where you know things. <laughs> he can't find that one. Uh, yeah, we've never had. I don't think we've ever had that mic. Like that's tough. That would be awesome though if we had that. <laughs> you know how on? I think it's. I don't remember. I think if it's. Don't forget the lyrics or whatever song it is or whatever show it is. Jimmy Fallon has one where you go to a microphone and it changes your voice. Wouldn't that be awesome if you could line up on a microphone and you just became a fountain of knowledge because you were well, using I it? I am kind of a AI fountain. can do everything else. And I'm not talking about Alan Iverson. Can AI make you sound smarter as you speak into the right microphone? I, For me, it's got work to do I know today. All kinds, I am, I'm like a fountain of knowledge. The problem is, is that you know how some, some volcanoes shoot out the top like they're supposed to and others like lose the whole side like Mount St. Helens? And I'm more like Mount St. Helens than Vesuvius. You are certainly erupting today. By the way, I know I got that Jimmy Fallon music show wrong. Somebody text me or tweet me or... Let oh, me figure out now. what that is. You get to claim wrong and people call you to correct and they don't call you to laugh? But it's because I'm the one who pointed out my own mistake. Got it, got there it. Is well, a, I, did last, I do play by a different set of rules when it comes Nelly to that. I Fox was wrong and everybody else <laughs> Yes, that was a great one. Um, no, I think that uh, I think it's interesting because we do. We, we have two distinct levels of success. The don't be awful line, which is basically the line of Timberwolves. You know the Mendoza line for hitters if right. you're not over 200? 200. Yeah, well, what's kind of the, we'll call that the Timberwolves line. Because if you're the Timberwolves, you've been awful. So hit that line, right? And then we have that upper line, which the Vikings tend to, you know, float right underneath, like right underneath the, the water. The Wolves kind of, or the Wild kind of float at that spot. And the Twins, every so often, are like a, a whale. They go whoosh, and they come out of it and then swoosh back down in. That was very deep, pun intended. But at the same time, 
I feel like there are a lot of fans out there that judge other fans based on how they define it. Because if you're giving a team too long of a leash to be, quote, unsuccessful and still be positive about it, you'll take a lot of heat. I, for one, will say if you're championship or bust, you're going to bust quite a bit because 96, 97% of all franchises year in and year out don't win it. Now, I understand the Minnesota mentality of, you know, not winning is fine as far as championship every single year, but the drought has been well documented and it got added to when the Twins exited earlier this week. Yeah, and and I th- you made a really good point when you said, you know, if you're looking at championship or bust, you know, you're going, you know, there's very few, unless you're a New England Patriots fan, and we all know they're New England Patriots fans are like celiac people, and I am one of those, so I can make But you're not a Patriots fan, so there right. goes that analogy. But no, it, you didn't let me finish the analogy. Okay. I when, do that, though. When you Your walk, favorite band, the Interrupters, they'll be when, in Duluth soon. When you walk into uh, a room, the two people that always want to talk about themselves are people that need gluten-free food and New England Patriots fans, because, ugh. So Tom Tom Brady guys, and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm a Brady guy since he was nine. I was really happy when he went to Michigan, and look, New England's won nine in a row. And so I feel like you're pointing right at me I because maybe, my Tom Brady fandom did may, start when he was at Michigan, but I my grandpa be. on my mother's side had a lot to do with that. So anyways, I, I do think that um, that why, or Minnesota fans have these dis- two, two distinct levels, and as long as you meet the bottom one, we're going to be okay. And we look at that top level and go, man, if the Twins could only play in 87 and 91 again. But again, I look at it and I look at it from the fans perspective, because again, I take a moment and see fans pointing fingers at other fans saying you're letting them off the hook. You know, as Denny Green would say, if you want to crown them, then crown them. We had them and we let them off the hook. But at the same time, again, if it's championship or bust, you're going to be disappointed a lot. But if it's anything less, people say, well, that's a losing mentality. And Minnesota has been self-proclaimed and well-proven to be Loserville, USA, as the mothership can put it sometimes, because I heard people both in conversation and I saw things written on social media that if you define this twin season as a success, you're in the wrong. And I don't think you are at all. No, I don't think you are either. If that's me being a fountain of positivity, whoops. Well, here's the thing. If you want to look at their entire season, then, I mean, it has to be a success. If you want to only look at the first half, yeah, you know what? The first half was abysmal. But well, the, the opposite half, theory is in play. Most people are going to say, well, they exited and they fell short of anything that was a big deal. Yes, they broke a playoff losing streak, but they didn't get anywhere. They needed to pull one off against the Astros and they didn't. And I'm not saying that's my mantra at all. I'm telling you what I've seen on social media this week, both before and after the exit. In fact, I'll disclose with you off the air who this person is, but a baseball mind that we value quite a bit that we've worked together with back in our Huskies days had basically a Facebook I'll call it a soliloquy because that's one of my favorite words from high school English class that I never forgot. But it was basically a dissertation more accurately about if you consider this twin season to be a success, you're wrong. And his theory went on to make an analogy that I just found weird because it was something about if a salesperson had missed his quota for 20 straight years and then got it in the 21st year, you're not going to glorify them. And that was in reference to the losing streak. And I get it. But at the same time, If a salesperson has missed his quota for 20 years, you've probably moved on from that salesperson. The company still exists, but that salesperson's probably gone. So what I'm saying is the group that broke the losing streak, for the most part, isn't part of the group that created the losing streak. So it's a bad analogy. I love the analogy. Here's the thing. If you're, and as management who's managed salespeople before, here's the thing. When they hit their 21st year and they hit their their quota, you know what we do? Celebrate the hell out of it. They probably got 
uh, their, not only to get their quota, they got their bonuses, probably hit their incentives. We probably had a party in the office. But let's be honest. If it takes to year 21 to hit a quota, they're long gone. Probably. But, so that's my theory. But take the log, take, just, just don't use the logic part of that, right? And let's just say they hit year 21 and they finally hit their quota. We're not going to say, well, you can't celebrate that because they were awful before. You're going to celebrate. Right. But I'm saying the personnel is different. You can't sit there and say, well, we're not going to celebrate Julianne, you know, Royce Lewis and Carlos Correa because Joe Maurer, Justin Morneau, et cetera, didn't get this done. That's not fair at all. I agree 100% with that. I was just making sure the analogy was wrong because you'd celebrate a salesperson who hit their quota, whether it was 50 years down the line or their first year. Absolutely. So the moral of the story today, if you haven't figured it out in the first seven, eight minutes of the show is how do you define success? And we're going to go to that for each of the four yeah. major men's franchises in Minnesota. I want to talk a little bit about local success first. I will tell you for one, I did not have it last night trying to call the Denfeld Rock Ridge game on these airwaves. Success was had by Denfeld with a 20 point win. But you know that TV show I've referenced a couple here already. You know, the TV show, whose line is it anyway? Well, I had my own last night, even though it was a radio show, and it was called What Number Was That Anyway? Because between Denfeld's new uniforms, which look sharp, the black with maroon numerals and lettering, what have you, it looks sharp. As an announcer doing play-by-play, it is a nightmare. What number was that? And Rock Ridge, they wrote the book on yeah. bad jerseys. The only nightmare worse than the Denfeld uniforms are the team they were playing. Right. Yeah. So that- put them on the field at the same time, and I felt like... You know, a young kid maybe doing his first play-by-play where when he doesn't get too sure of who's got the ball, 24, no, that might not even work either. That's actually a 26. I don't know. I'd have been great at that. Right. The guy over there has the ball, Brian. I would have felt like a bingo caller getting numbers <laughs> wrong. The um, the thing is, you remember, I don't know if you if you had that, when you, but when the kids were younger, they had the, the D.A.R.E. program. Right. And one of the things they did is they had beer goggles where you'd put on the goggles and you'd see what it looks like when you're drunk. That is what doing... Rock Ridge games are when you're trying to figure out who's got the ball because nothing you're seeing makes any sense. Well, and we've worked with game staff throughout our entire careers as public address announcers, play-by-play broadcasters, what have you. So there's a team up there where usually one out of five or six is going to have a correct response. No disrespect to the crew at Denfeld last night, but if anybody asked, we all looked at each other and went, I don't know. Or you'd get five different answers. Yeah, no, that's, a, that's 100%. So we often hear about the wing T formation in football. This was winging it on the broadcast last night, but Denfeld, the beat goes on. They're 6-1, and 28-8, they win last night. That's a talented offensive team. They uh, they played some defense last night. Let's face it, Rockridge isn't isn't really good yet. They will be someday. Um but that Denfeld team can score on just about anybody. It, next week's game is going to be a blast. I was going to say, it sets the table for a great football game. Don't wait for Friday Night Lights next week because it's not a Friday night game. It'll be Wednesday for MEA week. Dave and I will have it. We will be in Hermantown. It's going to be the Hawks hosting the Hunters, probably the number two seed on the line to the winner of that game. Both these teams have been good, but there's a big difference between playing that quarterfinal game at home and getting a buy into the section semis. And I think... In fact, I'm pretty sure I know the winner is going to get that bye. Well, and not not just I mean, yes, that's that's in play, but Hermantown's been there before, right? I think they have an expectation that they're going to win and and Denfeld's riding high. So I'm pretty sure they're going to go in there and say, "You know what? We finally got their number. Let's go get them." Well, and let's I see. think it should be a great game. And let's see what riding high does because Denfeld will be coming off a win, Hermantown will not. You want to talk about local successes? 
Esco's writing that book right now, and they did it again last night. Yeah, and and we heard that uh, Coy may have had a visitor last night. Right. It wasn't particularly rainy or wet, but there was some boat rowing going on in Esco, excuse me, in Hermantown last night. Esco contributing to the idea. Should have come last year when the when uh, Hermantown had their kicker. Uh, anyways, the uh, PJ could have used that. No, we're talking about successes and, and what it looks like. And we have Lavelle coming on uh, later in the show. And this will be a fascinating conversation to have about the Twins. But the Twins came so far, you know, in a short period of time, mind you. You and I talked about that six weeks left in the season. We said if these guys finally get a little bit healthy and start playing like they can, they're a tough out. They were a tough out. Now, what does that lead to next year? That is going to be the question because you talked about the two halves in the season. And you could view one as a failure and one as terrific. And that was basically it in terms of the playoff run itself because we talked about health. We talked about pitching. We talked about things they do well that will make them difficult to eliminate. And you could easily say, but if they continue to do this, don't come up big in clutch situations offensively. Be that record-setting strikeout team that they were. They will be difficult in terms of having to overcome that and still be successful because there's not enough in that proverbial cupboard. They pitched really well in this entire playoffs. I don't care what you thought of Caleb Fieldbar being in in the third inning and taking a loss. Was it weird? Sure. But did that plan generally work? Also sure. But offensively, they disappeared and they didn't have enough to overcome it. They went 90 and 78, I believe, including the playoffs. A big chunk of those 78 losses was kind of that script. They pitched well enough to be in the game, and offensively they couldn't overcome it. Well, and and I read that thing to you uh, earlier today is that you know the Rocco came out and said we're not going to change our offensive philosophy. It's going to be swing from the heels, uh, and if we hit it, it's gone, and if we don't, it's a strikeout. But what's a strikeout different than a pop up? And in some sense of the matter, you can't argue with that, right? An out is an out, but they got strikeouts at such a deflating rate that there had there were times that their offense stagnated because uh, what the heck we've we've got eleven strikeouts already. What's another five? I was going to say, I think they averaged about a baker's dozen during the playoff stretch. That includes that series against Toronto that they won. I talked about it last week. During that series victory, a two-game sweep, if you will, they hit a whopping 207. So it's not as though the offense was on fire during the course of the playoffs. So again, with the Twins out before a championship, there are people that are going to say that is not a successful season. If you're going to call it that, you're being too nice because a historical losing streak was broken in the process. So what we're going to talk about today, and this is going to be interesting because kind of the hallmark of the Northland Sports page over the last almost six years is we certainly dabble in the past, we certainly talk about the present, and we talk about a lot of what can be in the future. And we're going to be able to do that in one topic today because we're going to talk about how will this season be called a success. And with the Twins, their season is in the past. With the Vikings, their season is in the present. And with the Wild, their season is in the present by one game. And with the Wolves, their season is in the future, as in tipping off in a week. So different levels of excitement, depending upon the time frame that the teams are in. Uh, Truly, because with the Vikings, success right now is, (laughs) I mean, their super successful season will be 500, right? Because they're so far behind the eight ball at this point. And the while their baby starts, right? But will it be? Because I don't think the record is how we're actually going to talk about it. I just don't think that's it for the Vikings. No, but I think that's how the average person sees success is at the end. Do you of the day, want to be average, Dave? I am not an average right. guy. Right, you've got to work to get there. Me too. Um, but the uh, no, I think the the Vikings magic has to happen for them to be a playoff team. Like it'll be one of those 
do you remember back when we saw this and and with Jefferson out, uh, I I just don't see how that happened, Brian. See, and I don't either. But at the same time, I'm not judging success for this particular team by reaching the postseason. I'm not going to say I don't want them to. I'm not in the collapse for Caleb Camp completely. I'm not in the tanking process idea that so many fans are. I guarantee you there are fans, heavy on the air quotes, that are rooting for the Bears to win tomorrow. If you're going to, to borrow a phrase from Common, if you're going to be bad, be biblically bad. Either be historically good or biblically bad, and they're a lot closer to one than the other. So I think you have to look at what's a different way for this season to be successful. And that's certainly one way to look at it. You could look at this team being bad enough to get the number one pick and Caleb Williams decides to come out, which is a different topic altogether, and he does become your quarterback of the future. That's certainly one way. But I think there are other pillars to it, other layers, if you will, that this team could have a poor record and still have some bright spots. Yeah, bright spots, I 100% agree. And that's why I think success can be defined in different ways. Because you're probably, certainly if you lose tomorrow, but even at one and four, you're probably too late to have a successful yep. season in the standings. How about this for a success? All of a sudden, Hawkinson starts catching the footballs he caught last year and is not catching this year. I mean, have some of them been bad passes? Sure, but a half a dozen of them hit him in the hands. Do you remember when we were little and the and the playoff? And the, TV guys are a lot nicer than they used to be, right? Uh, but like Dan Deardorff would say, son, that hit you in the hands, you're in the NFL, that's right. got to be a catch. Well, TV you know, commentators, my hey, father said that to me in hey, the driveway. Hey, TJ, take that one to heart. You know, if it hits you in the hands, you're in the NFL, yeah. you got to pull... Yeah, I'm not even going to say pull all six down, but how about pull half of them down? Well, and at the same time, the Justin Jefferson injury is not a good thing. A bad team is about to get worse, at least on paper. Correct. We'll see how they play without him. Maybe the approach is completely different. But that is an opportunity for TJ Hawkinson to be in the spotlight and remedy whatever's been ailing him suddenly having stone hands during the early portion of the season. Same idea for KJ Osborne. This has got to be an yes. opportunity because I will admit that I was very wrong on this going into the season. I thought he was the answer at wide receiver two. I thought Adam Thielen, the reason that he could go is because KJ Osborne was on the verge of being not necessarily a star, but a more Taking than serviceable wide receiver. Absolutely. Right. But then I thought, well, the Vikings brass doesn't agree with me because who'd they draft Jordan Addison right away. But then I thought, well, this is also a passing league. You need three to be effective. But KJ Osborne has looked lost during the first five games of the season. Let's see if he focuses now because he's got no choice. Well, he doesn't, and then the and then they brought up Harry or Henry or whatever the, the Nikhil the, Harry, yes, that guy, and uh, and now he's going to be that you know slow, big, will catch the football in the contested areas that you know Osborne, obviously a little faster, kind of quite a bit smaller though, specialized in those tough catches. So now they've got a they've got another tight end. Well, I mean a big wide receiver uh, to do some of those things. But I I agree, and on the defensive side, let's see Ivan Pace girl. Let's see uh, Andre Carter the second. I was going to say, pick a kid and let's just let him play. I mean, even if it is, finally, Lewis Seen, I believe, is, quote, healthy for tomorrow. What role does he play? I don't How know. about that? At some point, do you just force him out there and kind of say put up or shut up? It's For a lot of Vikings, regardless of what the record is, it's bleep or get off the pot with yes. veterans and recent draft picks. Yeah, I agree with you, Brian. I think that's one of the things we will see out of this season right. is a sifting through the players that we have. And Deadwood's going to be gone. So even if this season is not a success in the standings, I think it'll be a success if you get some sort of contingency plan out of this. Even if they go 6-11, which I think will upset a lot of people because it's not going to be bad enough to be in that upper echelon of the draft, and it's not going to be good enough to be in the playoffs. So record-wise, that could be the nightmarish scenario to win six or seven yep. games. 
But I think that's just what they're going to do because there's too much talent to be worse than that, and they're in too deep of a hole to get better than that. So what you have to focus on is at least learn something about who you have because either we haven't seen somebody because they're not healthy or we've seen them for eight, nine, ten plays that haven't gone well and we've ditched them. Well, you can't possibly be in a win-now mode right now if you're right. the Vikings, I don't think. So if you're going to have growing pains, go hard or go home. You've got to figure out if some of these kids are worth it at all because the consensus right now is certainly no, but it's too small of a sample size to really rubber stamp the idea. Yeah, and I think the two guys in particular are Booth and Scene. We, you just have to see if either of those two guys are NFL starters. You know, we know that Scene can be an NFL special teamer. Frankly, we don't know if Booth can be, by the way. Right. Um, but we need to see if he can if if he can play. Otherwise, you got to cut bait on those two. You got to go through like the starting three defensive linemen. Maybe right. they're gone. Well, and of course, the big piece is what's life after Kirk. Yep. Now, somebody's going to say they well, haven't planned for it. Played Jaron Hall to find out. I don't think you're going to see that. I think you're going to have Kirk play out the entire season, and whatever he does in the face of adversity here is going to tell you if you're definitely moving on or if you're definitely keeping him because talk about bleeper get off the pot. That's the number one position they got to do it with. So we'll save the twins a little bit more for when Lavelle is with us. But again, I do think this is a success because of how many young kids contributed for them already. And this regime finally figured out what we've been screaming from the mountaintops for years. Good pitching will obviously help you win. And the twins had a lot of it. They've got some decisions to make, but we'll talk about that with Lavelle a little bit more after 11 o'clock moving to the wild. Because, again, social media, I spend way too much time on it, but there's a meme out there, and you've probably seen it. It's the Homer Simpson where he comes out of the bushes, and it's, you know, one time he's wearing a Viking helmet, and then he goes back in, he comes out, and he's wearing a Twins jersey. Then they do badly, and he goes back in, he comes out wearing a Wild jersey. And they make fun of Minnesota fans for doing this. I do the reverse. I applaud Minnesota fans for doing this. This is what Dave Hoop says. We live in a place where we've got all four teams, and we can get excited about all four, so go ahead and do it. So what happens the day after the Twins lose? The Wild are going undefeated. 82-0 and is still in play. But how is this team going to view this season as a success? Because with the salary cap, with the roster, you could easily say making the playoffs is a success. But you want to talk about a franchise that people are growing tired of. Well, they're there, and they won't do anything once they're there. Is that going to be enough? Well, I think Wild fans are, are hoping to, again, be in the playoffs, be a player, you know, have a shot, all that, you know, in the NHL, it's chip chair chance, like the mothership likes to say, right? Right. Um, but I think all Wild fans that are paying attention know that in two years, all the all the salary cap shackles are off. And if so, if our kids, who we should be growing right now, which is a whole different conversation on Ryan Hartman uh, and his salary, but the we're, if we're growing our kids now, by the time the salary cap opens back up and we can go free agent wild, I mean, honestly. Pun intended, right. Yes. And so I think I think we want to continue to be the team that we are and start incorporating some more of these kids so we're ready to go in 25. I think so too, but at the same time, I think it can be even more simplistic than that because we always talk about the best way to build a hockey team is from the back end out. And the Wild are doing that relatively young as well. Now I know Spurgeon and Brodine have been around, but the Gus Bus is playing in front of Flower and he looked tremendous in game one. If you continue to think, because they're certainly going to pay him like one, that you've got a number one goalie there, you're in a great spot. The first goal of the season, Gopher fans rejoice. But at the same time, so did Wild fans because Brock Faber at the end of last year looked really, really good, really, really fast. But, you know, to make a Twins analogy, so did Jose Miranda at the end of the season before this one. 
and then sophomore slump in a big way. Now we're one game in, so who knows what Brock Faber's season is going to be like, but early returns are about as good as they can get. If you're good on the blue line and good and young, I like what this team is doing. I know that the center position is the glaring need. I get it. But if this team is stable on the back end, they've always got a chance. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And the, and the thing is, they've been around a long time, but Brodeen's not all that old. Like He right. started playing for the Wild at 18. Does it help us that Jared Spurgeon looks 12? Well, no, it doesn't, because he is getting old. Right. Middleton's getting old. Um, all that that group, we just have... But Faber, if you can work Addison in the mix. Well, and and frankly, Addison didn't look too bad last right. night. Um, but you've got this group in the, in Iowa that you need to start making sure they have some taste of the NHL, too. That was my point on the defense. So we'll see what the Wild can do, because you talked about with the Vikings, you know, what does the record need to be? And I said, well, I'm not sure that that's how you define it. But I said that because of the hole that they're already in. With the Wild that want to know, they're not in any hole of any kind. They've got a ton of games left, a big one tonight. They're all going to be big, I think, for this team. But what is the measuring stick in terms of performance? Because right. I said, one and, one and done again is going to be an eye roll. Yep. What do they need to do to make somebody happy? Is it as simple as doing what the Twins just did? Getting the playoffs and winning around. the second round. Yeah, and and are, is it a end-of-the-year point total? Do you have to be? But I agree with you. I think it probably should be a point total because, let's be honest, with the salary cap constraints that this team is under, one and done is probably a bit of overachievement, but in terms of growing tired as a narrative, one and done is something you could practically rubber yep. stamp on the wild for the last decade. Yeah, no, I don't know if practically is the right it thing. It might be factually. It might be factual. Right. Um, but yeah, if they got to a second round and and uh, learned a little bit, and again, I'm going to keep saying tell Balloon Face, the kids, um, because of the night, uh, 2025 target, if the kids are one of the reasons that you got that far, things will be looking up. Right. The only thing that concerns me and it concerns everybody every time Bill Guerin does this is they like to rely and extend veterans. So as many twins kids has contributed to their season, you're looking at the wild going, the kids aren't even getting a chance because you've got the Maroons, the Zuccarellos, and all of them are veteran presences that you need. And I understand that. But are we blocking the path of that future looking as bright as it could be? That's been the question for everybody. Everybody. And it's been the wild questions almost since they were born. I was going to say right? the birth of the franchise. Yeah. But the, um, you know, I understand extending one of those guys, whether it's Zuccarello, Felino, or Hartman, but you can't extend all three, which they did. And now what you're going to have in 2025 is you're going to have three guys under contract who one will be 40, right? right? And the other two aren't offensive players to start with. So, Hopefully they're your only three veterans, but right now you, I mean, yikes. So speaking of yikes, that that used to be associated with the Timberwolves in general. When you talk about expectations, and Dave, you said it early on in the show, there was the Twins, because they had won championships before, were just viewed differently. The Vikings, the NFL is king, and the Vikings probably have the most fans and followers of any franchise in Minnesota. Minnesota loves hockey, so the Wild get unconditional love. Spoiler alert, I talk about that every week. It'll come up again today. And then it was the Timberwolves that, well, we've got an NBA team, but barely. This year, in just a couple minutes, I don't necessarily think that's the case. The Timberwolves themselves have said, we've got to win a playoff series to continue the ascension to being more than just relevant. They set the expectations themselves. I can't say I disagree. This is, as I've said, and I think you eye-rolled me, the best personnel, the best starting lineup since the Western Conference Finals team. Are they on par? No. Because there aren't enough veterans and stars in it. But player for player, this is as good as they've been in a long time. I think success for them, and and as a whole, you're right. A success for them is maybe a top five seed, top four seed, um, and a playoff round. But 
you also have to take, and I think these two things go hand in hand. If Carl Anthony Towns gets any kind of emotional intelligence and starts playing like an adult rather than a petulant kid, right. they're probably going to hit those numbers. But if we see that, that's going to go a long ways towards a success, and we need to see Anthony Edwards continue to ascend. Well, and that's the crazy part because it seems like for all of these teams, there's a certain element of, as I put it so eloquently today, bleeper get off the pot because the Carl Anthony Towns narrative has been around for too long. Either you've got to realize that you're able to successfully turn back the clock because you're playing Twin Towers 1990s basketball with Towns and Gobert and with health being incorporated, suddenly it works. That would give us a good feeling as we bump out with the proper song. It would. But if it doesn't work... And again, the emotional intelligence of Carl Anthony Towns, as Justin May used to say, needs a life coach. If his life isn't turning a corner, the Timberwolves need to, and they need to do it without him. Yeah, and, and I agree with that. And, and again, the problem is they mortgage so much to get Rudy Gobert right. that in order to continue to build that franchise, they almost have to. I was going to say, there are going to be people out there that are going to say Gobert is the one that's going to go, but after what they paid for him, that's not happening. Yeah, Championships in Minnesota have not been happening. If that's enough for you to say nothing's a success, I pity you and can't help you. Right. There are elements of success in each of those franchises. We are happy to have a successful show. We go to Dave Hoops next. We're the Northland Sports Page. Stick around. We'll be right back. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And we're back on the Northland Sports page. It's Brian Prudhomme. It's Dave Cook. It's going to be Dave Hoops very shortly. Dave Hoops, of course, of Hoops Brewing, one of our illustrious sponsors. We are blessed with several, including Aurora Architecture Studio, OAR Holdings of Duluth, Krauss Heating and Cooling, Advantage Emblem and Screen Printing, Sammy's Pizza, The Blackwoods Group, Avenue 45, Mount Royal Bottle Shop, Stewart's Bike Sports and Trophies, PRB Resorts, Kohler Toyota and Kohler Hyundai, and of course, our friends at Comfort Systems. And again, Hoops Brewing with us each and every Saturday is Dave Hoops. This Saturday is no exception. Dave Hoops, good morning, sir. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Good show so far. Thank you. We're doing well. We're having a successful Saturday so far. That's been kind of our opening topic, and I kind of thought of you as we were coming up with it during the week, because with championship-less Minnesota, and that's unfortunately an adjective that we can describe ourselves as professionally since 1991 on the men's side, but again, you need that ray of optimism, the ray of sunshine that you always are. I do think there are ways to certainly define success without having a championship ring at the end of the season. Some people will tell me that's a loser mentality. Some people will tell me it's a necessary Minnesota mentality because, again, we haven't had a championship in so long on the men's side. But I'm looking at each of these teams, and I'm seeing a pathway to success. You just got to reach a little bit on your definition. Do you agree with that? I really do, and and I like what you guys were saying, um, you know, and especially the Twins discussion was, was quite good. And, you know, I was – you know, that that third strike uh, on Max and all that other stuff, you know, you can pick all these little things apart, but that's one of the better umps in the league. And, you know, they were that close and they had a good season and next year we can just start again. And that's you know, just it. I, and we can build on that. Right. Yeah. The building blocks are definitely in place. You know, you've got to get good seasons from Korea. You've got to get hopefully a healthy and productive season from Byron Buxton. We'll talk to Lavelli Neal the third about Byron's latest operation and procedure with his knee and what's that going to do? 
But you got to hope that, you know, Brooks Lee takes that next step and maybe he's on this team. Royce Lewis continues to look like something out of the natural. I think you're right in terms of building on that. I just hope that it doesn't become one of those unfinished business type seasons because the Vikings have had those where they were so close in 98 and 99 was a bit of a hiccup. 2009, they were so close. 2010 was an absolute joke of a season. I don't want the players, the personnel, and the fans to even think that because this year was good, 2024 is going to start and we're automatically just anointed division champions. You're still going to have to work for it. But again, on paper, the future looks incredibly bright. Well, you're 100% right. There, there's these moments, you know, like some person in California won a billion dollars this weekend, right? Whatever, you know, things like this happen. You had that chance with Buxton. What if, what if he had made a hit? What if we had gotten to Korea and he won the game? Like, this didn't happen. But you had these opportunities. And obviously, I, in my mind, <laughs> was expecting them to happen. No, they didn't. But this is a little different mindset. We were that close. And one, one pitch, one hit would have changed everything. And I am very confident they would have done great against Texas. I am really not interested in this all-Texas playoff game, next. I'm all over the map. I'm sorry. I'm just No, you're okay. You. I tend to agree with you. I think people have kind of grown tired of the Astros. You can mention the scandal, the cheating, the trash cans, whatever the case may be. But at the same time, you know, seven straight American League Championship Series, the Astros are starting to get to be like the Yankees where you just kind of eye roll them and you hope for somebody different. Yeah, well, you got Dusty Baker running it too, and that he's he's the type of guy you want in a charge of a franchise like that. He's actually the only thing that makes them difficult for me to cheer completely <laughs> against because I look at who's in charge and I go, you know, I like him. I, like I don't the, know what it is, but I've always liked Dusty I like, Baker. I like the new uniforms, the the Rocket City or whatever they're called, the Darks. Those are kind of cool. So yeah, Dave, what do you think? I was gonna say nobody has a response to that. Okay, Dave, you're just kind of pulling that out of space, but go ahead, Dave Hoops. What do you think? Well, I think um, that I love Dusty, and of course, he was my manager when I was in San Francisco, right. my second team, and a lot of success. And you, he's just classic; he's perfect. He's, you know, uh, I think that Korea made a major difference, being, you know, having all that Houston knowledge, and and he made, you know, I I'm not going to compare him to the Yankees yet because nobody's, you know, as I roll. Well, go ahead and say Yankees, your say but, your favorite line. Nobody cares, especially this year, about the Yankees. Amen, That's brother. Please continue. That's you all know. right. But, um, you know, I'm not – I'm over the cheat gate thing. It's just we need somebody else to, to play. And the people that don't like the playoff um, scenarios and the, the, the way it's set up right now where these great teams like the Braves and the Dodgers can't do anything, hey, hey, use the NFL for an example. Anytime, like, an underdog, go, you know, starts winning in the playoffs, and then we love it. So, you know, win games. I, I, I don't have any problem with it, you know, and Houston will lose. I can promise you that. Wow. That's, that's Calling it already game. that Houston will lose at some point. I hope it's to the Rangers. The interesting part is last week I celebrated how good I thought Texas was, and then I went ahead and picked against them just to be different. I hope Texas wins the whole darn thing. That's just my own personal opinion. But I'll tell you what, we talked about the definition of success to open the show today, and we talked about, you know, different people have a different bottom line of success for teams. The bottom line for the Twins used to be just make it interesting until the Vikings start, and then the fans will jump ship anyway. Well, the Twins said, hold my beer, to use a hoops brewing pun, and did a lot better. They took us right up to the day before the Wild started. You texted me earlier this week, Dave Hoops, and said, so close for the Twins, on to hockey. We got to go right on to it. This is wheelhouse time for you. Welcome to the NHL, my friend. 
Oh, thank you. I, I love it. And, um, you know, I'm going to, I watch every Sharks game, which is just kind of learning the new players. Finn was saying, you know, we've got almost nobody on that team that's been, you know, they're all young players, but the, the wild, they look good. And, and, you know, and on paper. And I know that Minnesota fans are hard on them because they never win a first round series, but they make the playoffs every year. Come on, guys. You know, let's build on that. Dave was just talking about favor. Now, that's a Minnesota story that we can all get behind is one game. I know. I know. One game. But you guys sound enthusiastic to me. Absolutely. In fact, it was me that was talking about Brock Faber, which I think made Dave Cook's eyes as big as saucers because I was complimenting a gopher player, which is very easy to do when they're not wearing that giant M sweater anymore either. So, Dave, my question is this. The game against the, the first game of the year, did did the Wild play well or did the goalie play out of his mind? Because The answer is yes. Yeah, I'm not sure the Wild played great. I think that uh, Gus was unconscious for the period of time he needed to be. I'm a li- Actually, I'm glad they won, but I'm, I'm not sure played great is quite the right word. Well, I, I would agree. But, you know, remember this. The team that made the finals got to the playoffs on the very last day. Yep of the season last year and Bob played out of his mind in the playoffs, right? Beat my Carolina team. So he gave up two goals, right? Yeah. I mean, so yeah, Gus played great. The team played good enough to win. Not great, but good enough to win, which is great because they're undefeated. That's that's what matters. They don't ask how they ask if you won, and the wild did that. And I'm glad you brought up the Florida comparison, not just because the wild played the Panthers that night, but I look at those two teams And you talked about, Dave Hoops, what Florida did last year. Snuck into the playoffs and then made this incredible run. It wouldn't shock me, well, the latter part would, but it wouldn't shock me if the Wild had a similar season to what Florida did last year with that roster somewhat in flux with young players and core veterans. But besides Kaprizov and maybe Boldy, no true scorer on the team, I could see this team squeaking into the playoffs. I would love if they doubled down on what Florida did last year. It'd be a fun run. Yeah, I, I think squeak. I think they, I'm looking at the division, you know, there's a lot of really mediocre teams in that group and, you know, half the teams in this league make the playoffs. I think we should expect a playoff um, appearance, whether it will go deep. That's, uh, that's your discussion right there. And it could happen. Sure. Yeah, that'll be interesting because you mentioned Minnesota fans being hard on the wild. I'm not sure they ever are, but I think at the same time, they are tired of losing in that opening round. Expecting a playoff appearance? I like that. One thing I expect is great questions from Dave Cook. He's got more for you today. Actually, one of them you guys have already touched on a little bit. I well, wanted... you weren't in the room. We started oh, talking. Right. The four teams that are left in Major League, none of them are, are a top seed. You know, they're, they're, none of them are really in a gigantic market except, except probably for Houston. Houston seed-wise at least, and, yeah, and, and size-wise, and yeah. And Philly. Um, my question is this. Is this good for the game? Or is it better for the game when it's the Dodgers and the Yankees and you are in front of millions and millions of people rather than, you know, there's a lot of people. uh, It's fun for baseball people, but is the fact that none of the big names are left, is that good for baseball? I think this is a great question because I think you could easily tackle both sides. Dave Hoops, go first. Dave, that's a great question. I think it's very good for the game. I don't want to root for Philly because Philly fans don't deserve any teams, in my opinion. But my goodness, this team, their attitude, their fire, they're, they're fun. And I have to pay some attention. In fact, that's the only team I'm going to pay any attention to, I think. But to Dave's question, I think it's great for the game because the juggernauts, like the aforementioned, and of course Boston and the Yankees and stuff, they're all percolating. They're mad. They're, they're all, all winter long, their fan base is going to be simmering. They're ready. They're going to come back. 
well, the rest of the country gets to enjoy something. You got all these retirees in Arizona and, you know, my brother-in-law just moved there. He's got a team to root for. Um, I think it's great for the game, but that's my default. Yeah, I'm going to have trouble with the Texas series. I'm sorry, but I'll still probably keep one eye on it. Yeah. Right. So, yes. No, that's a great point because I'm a firm believer that sports does need villains. And I'm not sure in this group, unless you're supremely not over the cheating scandal for Houston, if there is one. If there is one, it's them. Okay, that's the end of that discussion. But I think we like being able to hate on somebody, as sad as that is in society, the sports society, that's just part of it. So the Yankees not being there delights me, but at the same time, I don't necessarily have a hugely vested interest anymore because if my favorite team's not in it, sadly, I'm usually rooting for somebody to lose. I don't necessarily have that here. The other side of it is just kind of strange because with the bleep show that Bally Sports is becoming and the concern over TV revenue for teams, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays into next year. Well, we know that the TV executives are not thrilled with the teams that have moved on. America loves an underdog story when you've got a ton of them now. So that's fun. But the major moneymakers, they aren't part of this. That's right. That's very true. All right, guys, I was watching TV last night for the first time in what seems like forever. And uh, Jeff Goldworthy, what, no, what's the name of the... Jeff Foxworthy? Yes. Did you, just, yes, did I you did. just combo yep. Jeff yes, Foxworthy and Jeff Goldblum? I did. All right. All right. That'd be a really so, big-nosed redneck, wouldn't it? <laughs> Comedians. God, that's awful. Um, Switch to the mic where you know things again. Yes, right. Comedians. Um, who, who are your kind of like... Um, secret favorite comedians, the ones you don't tell everybody about because you'd have to apologize. Wow. Or See, I have a hard time keeping my mouth shut when I find somebody funny, so I don't know about the secret part, but Dave, let's go ahead. Clay might be. I hope we can just open it up to favorite comedians because if I find something funny, unless it's inappropriate for radio, I'm not quiet about it. Uh, That's a great question, Dave, that I I really like because I, I listen to comedy at night sometimes as I'm going to sleep and uh, my favorite by far is bill burr who is um you know also kind of a pretty decent actor he's been in the, the mandalorian and some other stuff but he is just plain outright hilarious i really like jim jeffries the aussie but you know yeah, like, he's funny unfortunately the he's great but people are not having a sense of humor about some of the really off the wall things that said like you know like obviously um, you know, um, Dave Chappelle, you know, he's great, but they don't have as much of a sense of humor when they go on woke, I guess. Um, so I think comedy needs to come back and I need, we, we all need to have a sense of humor about it. And, um, I also am a kind of a really big fan of, um, uh, uh, she's on tour right now, Chelsea Handler. Um, yeah. she's playing in Madison. That's one of my wife's favorites. Yeah, I think she's quite funny. So, um, great question, Dave. But Bill Burr, got That's a must listen. You got to do the Red Rocks if you haven't listened to that one. I highly recommend it or watch it. Yeah. So I am still kind of the oldest of the old school because I can still turn on Eddie Murphy Raw or Delirious, and I can quote it to an unhealthy degree. And I've seen it probably an unhealthy number of times. I can't quote it on the radio unless I want today to be my last day. But I still laugh uncontrollably at a lot of that stuff. You know, more modern day, if you will. I'm a Jim Gaffigan guy. I kind of like how he'll tell a joke and then pretend to react to his own joke as a member of the audience. And I think that is pretty funny. The guy that I probably have to apologize for, and I didn't used to because I was younger and it was probably okay. And it's just a little bit shocking that I haven't grown out of it yet. Jeff Dunham for me still (laughs) tends to crack me up. And see, Dave Cook's (laughs) laughing at me because 
I probably shouldn't get that big of a kick out of puppets and ventriloquist dolls, but here we are. Go ahead. Aaron loves that guy. Um, no, I, I think that we also have had some really good comedians come out of Duluth, like big Dan Henningkamp. And he's not so big anymore, but Dan Henningkamp has been on tour quite a while. And I know we have the young lady from uh, Duluth Marshall who's, not, who's got a career going, right? And the Dave Cook pronunciation tour. That's always a good one. Well, that would only be funny to about six people. Um, we okay. have more listeners than that. Everybody laughs. Go let's, ahead. Uh, let's go one now more. into Dave's wheelhouse. All right. So pizza and beer. It's as old as time. But here's the thing. Brian and my son and so many of your uh, patrons, Dave, love the fruit beer. All right. So if you're going to have a pizza with the fruit beer, what are you ordering? Well, that's a really great question. And, of course, I'm not going to name names because, well, we've got some sponsors on this, this show that are really worthy. But I also have a, a couple pizzas I just love. So we're just going to go general, like you had just asked. Perfect. Um, well, you always go, you know, sausage and pepperoni with anything. Now, that's just a low-hanging fruit. But, uh, you know, if you're going to have fruit beer, I really – the old Canadian special, the Hawaiian pizza, the Canadian bacon and pineapple is really a good choice with, with fruit beer. Um, maybe you don't like that style of pizza, but that would be my go-to for most people. There you have it. That's a rock-solid answer. Now, i got to tell you this. Dave Cook is asking us because of his celiac issue because pizza's not necessarily in his wheelhouse. Well, guess what? Not for me either with a tomato allergy. So I'm ordering whatever white one's Bravo. available. Yes. Right. Whatever is as uh, – ranch or alfredo or plain cheese to quote kevin McAllister, that i can get so my beer and pizza combo is probably more about the beer but that gives me a great segue because tell us what's new at the brewery to close dave hoops because daisy hoops has an october birthday so i believe she's got a beer out what else is going on that's new and exciting oh brian she would really appreciate that her birthday's tomorrow 25 years young and her beer is on tap daisy's best number 25 which is a kind of a an ode to celebration from Sierra Nevada, my favorite holiday beer, which you'll be able to see on the shelf soon. Um, other great beers, we just talked about it last week. Um, Rink Rat has made its reappearance with the reappearance of hockey. And um, for the rest of the season here, all the way into the NCAAs for the dogs, we'll be having that on tap, giving money to um, donating back to Daha. And, of course, the driveway beer, which is near and dear to my heart. And it's um, a great time of the year for that. And, of course, this is the big one, Brian. We're just weeks away here from um, receiving the fruit from my friends in Door County and, um, you know, 1225 cherries on its way. Oof. You know what? I'm not yes. necessarily ready to gear up for the holidays. I know you had a great article about holidays and beer in the Duluth News Tribune, but I saw it and I enjoyed it, but I looked at it and I went, the holidays are ready, but I guess they're going to be here before we know it. But the upside to all of that is cherry ale is going to be here, too. Dave Oops, you mentioned Bulldog Hockey. Of course, people can get involved and win some things from your brewery. Still doing the first goal contest because outside of that, UMD's got to quit what I called the Dave Cook this morning, the I hope everybody has fun games. They've tied everything they've played so far on the men's side. Uh, I agree with that. And it's, uh, this exhibition uh, shootout, is I'm rolling my eyes on that one. but Which last yeah, night went about um, six rounds, yeah. Yeah, anybody can. So uh, they tweeted out. UMD does, and so do I, retweet, and you can do it by tweet or by text, and just name the first goal, and then UMD picks a winner from that, and there's a $25 gift card every game, men's and women's. So we're all in. Have fun. That's perfect. You're all in with hockey because we're bumping you out with the hockey song. Always a pleasure to talk sports with you. We'll do it again next Saturday. Thank you, my friend. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. 
Absolutely. We talked about in the opening segment, the definition of success. I'll tell you what, that guy is the definition of success in the brewery world. Well, and Dave has the definition of success probably handwritten on the back of his hand because that guy is always looking up. I'll tell you that. He's got the uh, definition of optimism, if nothing else. I'm very optimistic that this show will continue. We'll be right back. Susan Schmidt of Duluthies Volleyball is going to join us to talk about a lot more than just the game of volleyball. Stick around. We'll be right back. Spin your passion into a business of Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. And we're back on the Northland Sports page. It's Brian Prudhomme. It's Dave Cook. It's little Everly Brothers. Wake up, little Susie. I don't think we woke up Susan Schmidt, but we did get her voicemail the first time, but she's going to be with us shortly. Yeah. It's you look prob- like you're about to giggle about what this time. Truly, it's probably a good thing you guys are friends because I would assume at some point that would be a heavy eye roll by the volleyball coach. Well, I was going to say, <laughs> I know a number of Susans or Sues, and I know a couple of Susies. Maybe the first question should be, did I offend you by calling you Susie or not? Because I've got to think that there's a generation that loves it. And like you said, a generation that eye rolls it. Well, she's on the phone. You should ask her right oh, now. Well, she's on the air, and I'm going to do that. That's called a segue, Dave. So we'll go to Duluth East volleyball coach Susan Schmidt. Have you been called Susie before? Because, yes, your intro music was Wake Up Little Susie and Good Morning to You. Yeah, good morning. Yes, I did hear that. And I usually tell people, um, including my volleyball kids, that the only person who's ever allowed to call me that was my grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> that makes a lot and of sense. Brian. I was going to say, now I just got added to the list, or I'll find out when I see you this afternoon if you eye roll me heavily exactly. in the East Gym. But speaking of exactly. the East Gym, it's going to be a crowded place this afternoon. Hibbing comes to town for a good match. The match is one thing, and your volleyball team's had some success. We'll talk about that. But there's something going on after the match today that is just such a bigger picture idea. Talk about what we're going to see today at the East Gym. Absolutely. I am so excited. We are going to be hosting our first ever Unified Volleyball Day. And um, Unified Athletics is part of Special Olympics. And so um, there's been Unified track meets and football games, but this is our first volleyball game. It's going to be excellent. And it seems like this season, every match you've played, at least in the span of about two weeks, has had a much bigger theme to it aside from the match itself. You think about the breast cancer awareness the original, you know, dig pink kind of idea that Superior's done for a long time, the mental health awareness that you did at Denfeld. There's a lot more going on, match in and match out, than just the game itself. This is a big community impact as a whole. Yeah, I I love this. And I think a lot of sports organizations from every level have used their platform a lot recently, but for a lot of years, especially with breast cancer awareness, um, dig pink and, you know, we see you know, NFL players are in their pink and everything throughout the month of October. Um, so we've been doing that for a long time, but it's spread to a lot more issues, including things like mental health as well. It's been great to see. So how do these come to be? Because I know that there are a lot of great causes out there, a lot of fundraising, et cetera. Dig Pink has been around for a while. Unified, I became more familiar with it when football did it last season. The mental health awareness. Obviously, I know mental health has been a big topic everywhere. But when did this become a focus for volleyball? 
Um, actually, the mental health one, the, that's been that's just been this year. Um, Coach Struther at Denfeld reached out to me and said that they, and they've been promoting a couple of different issues throughout the season and asked if we wanted to pair with them on a mental health awareness night. It's my understanding lacrosse did this last spring. Some other sports have done it too, but um, I think, you know, with high school athletes and, and watching also some of our high, you know, Olympic athletes and professional athletes come out and, talk about their struggles, especially the female athletes, I'm thinking of like Simone Biles, where it's becoming more, um, it's easier for people to talk about when we see it, when we talk about it, when we highlight it, it feels like a more normal experience for people. And, you know, more than 70% of high school athletes have experienced some sort of mental health issue, helping them feel like they are not alone is, I think, so so valuable so i appreciate coach Struther reaching out and i hope we can make that a yearly event yeah coach you talked a little bit about how on a national level um the conversation has become a thing basically um i'm wondering what the goal locally uh for games like this like the mental health game what what is you know in your mind in other coaches mind what's the local goal what are, what are your kids going to take out of this well, we, uh, a lot of our programs, we do reach out a lot to our young kids, our middle schoolers and younger. So I think for, I know from my perspective, if we have, you know, 12 and 13 year olds in the stands seeing that we value this, this particular issue, whatever, whatever it is that we happen to be promoting that night. Right. Um, but that's, the, that's the, the group that I'm hoping that we're reaching. Perfect. Speaking of reaching... Like they can, Sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you at all. No, no, that just that they that they feel they can seek help and they know how to do that. Speaking of reaching that group, because there's a multifaceted purpose today too. Dave and I always talk about what's the interest like in the sport for the younger ages. You've also got a youth day today. We do. Um, we have invited all of our kids that inv- that came to our summer camp, and then all of the kids that are a part of Ordine East Volleyball, the middle school program. So they are. All invited. We hope we have a good turnout and we'll give them a shout out today and and start to help them feel like part of the Greyhound community that they hopefully will be someday. Absolutely. Speaking of Greyhound volleyball, it's been an interesting season. It's been up and down at times. You've got a very interesting roster because the term senior leadership (laughs) gets thrown around a lot. And you've got so many seniors that I know senior night is next Thursday, but we could probably start it today and still be talking next Thursday because of the number of seniors you have. But in terms of leadership, I know they have that, but you've also got seniors that are playing big roles for kind of the first time. How has that influenced the way you've approached this roster? Because they're older kids, but not necessarily volleyball older kids. Well, I think, uh, yeah, our senior night, by the way, we've, we've had to do rehearsals to make sure they can actually run through it fast enough. You, but, you could have invited uh, the announcer. I could help the pace, you know. Yeah, you should do that. Um, our, you know, we have, yeah, we across the board and, you know, it's not just with my captains, but my captains are excellent by the way. Um, but they've all kind of stepped up to not only, um, lead on the court, but they've really done a lot to reach out to our, our JV and our C team program, because they know that when they, when they are done at the end of the season, they're turning this over to a whole new group and they're very aware of that. And they want to make sure that whatever they have built, that they leave a strong foundation behind so they're really reaching out to the young kids 
Speaking of a foundation, it feels like, at least for this season, the foundation of volleyball talent in this area is very good because your team has played well. Superior has been excellent. Cloquet is running over everybody. Grand Rapids has done it before that. Hermantown's very good. Is this as impressed as you've been with our area in this sport? Oh, absolutely. We've had, uh, I'm so happy with how they are doing. Um, I remember hearing Heidi talk about their, about her team early in the season and she kind of had that glint in her eye and she, she's right. They're, they're doing fantastic. Um, I think the talent in our area is, is great. And I, um, I just, I just love the growth of the sport in general and, and it is becoming, you know, hugely popular everywhere. So I, th- I think it's only going up from here. I certainly hope that you're right. Go ahead, Dave. Well, Coach, I had the opportunity last night to do the Scholastica game, and, and I stopped by East alum Riley Penger, and I said, hey, we, we, have coach, we have Coach on tomorrow morning. What kind of dirt can I get? And she said, Dave, you're going to love her. There's no dirt to be had. So you're, not only are you impressing you know, current players, but that impression that you're making is carrying out into the public. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks to Pinger for that. Yeah, I was going to say, there's nothing wrong with alums saying great things about you. Your current roster does, too. I want to talk about, we often hear the teams take on their coach's personality. And some of the Greyhounds went through eras where they played for three, four coaches in a short period of time. You have stabilized this program. Do you think your players have taken on your personality in any way? Um, I, I'm not sure about that. Maybe it's the other way around. They've kind of, I think maybe loosened me up a little bit. Um, but I, you know, I just want there, I, I came in with this, uh, with the mentality that I did want to help with the stability of the program. So my, um, I'm hoping that the, 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 that my players, um, one thing that I've always stressed, um, even before coming into this program was that the older players give back to the younger players. And so I feel like they've done that. And I hope that our um, our sophomores and our juniors coming up are ready to take that on as well. Uh, Coach, I have a uh, volleyball question for you. Um, I want to know about how you stop runs. We, we've, uh, over the years, have called that the volleyball freakout moment when it goes from a 7-7 seven, seven <laughs> game to a 16-7 game and it seems like all of a sudden it was aces and misplays. How as a coach do you uh, pull the reins back on that? How do you control as a coach again uh, the flow of the game? Mm -hmm. Well there's a little bit of a debate about how effective timeouts are in icing a server and so um, you know some will say that 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 doesn't do a lot. Some do. Um, I'll still use it once in a while if we get a run but um, I think it's all in the preparation. Um, our, uh, the, the biggest thing that contributes, I think, to a run is poor serve receive. And so if our serve receivers are ready, um, they've been prepared, we work on it every single practice, I think it minimizes it. And then if I have to take a timeout to just remind them of what we do in serve receive or make a slight adjustment, then that's, that's I think, the best thing that we can do. It's take that next serve and know that that next serve is the one that matters and not the five that came before it. I would agree with that. That's the next play mentality. My last question for you is, again, related to leadership, but in the sense of importance of position. And I'll take nothing away from any of the positions out there. You've got great hitters. You've got great servers. You've got a lot of different things. But it feels like, to make a football analogy, the quarterback of a team is the setter. And I want to talk a little bit about Ola Okoro because she's got over the thousand set assists. You've got the definition of stability. We talked about you doing that as a coach. I feel like she stabilizes your attack. Is that true? 100%. Ola is a 
just she has that like ice in the veins kind of mentality as a setter, which is wonderful. She's a great leader. Um, and she does absolutely, she knows the, what we need in any given moment. Um, so she knows what hitter to go to. Um, she just brings just the whole package as a setter. So it's been really fun working with her for now three years. No question about that. She's been a great leader. You are a great leader of that program. I will see you in a couple of hours. JV against Hibbing will get underway at 1. Varsity Greyhounds and Blue Jackets at the East Gym at 2.30. And, of course, stick around for the big unified game afterwards. Thanks for being with us here this morning. And, again, I'll see you shortly. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Coach. Thank you, Brad. Thank you, guys. That is Susan Schmidt, Duluth East Volleyball Head Coach. Everybody going to come together at the East Gym for the big unified matchup as well. Again, that will follow Greyhounds and Blue Jackets at the East Gym at 2.30 this afternoon. Hour number one is in the books. Hour number two is next. Mathematically, that makes sense. We'll eulogize the twins once again. Lavelle Neal III will join us. He'll talk about his beloved Bears as well as they'll host the Vikings tomorrow. Stick around. We'll be right back. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.